He was messing with his uh, microphone and his Hello. Light. Okay. There yeah. Is. <laughs> uh, I like I unplugged the microphone and it did this in in OBS uh, in Streamlabs uh, on Wednesday and I was like I wonder if it's gonna do it in uh, OBS Studio because I use OBS Studio for predominantly YouTube stuff and I use uh, Streamlabs for Twitch stuff. So anyway, hello everybody, welcome to the Saturday morning D and D show. My name is Jordan with a silent PH in the middle and I'm joined always by my wonderful co-host Sir Lucian over at Sir Lucian Gaming. Say hello, sir. Hello, everybody. Welcome. You know what? My mic might not be working. <laughs> I'm looking at it. Mic's not talking. working. What is going on? Oh, can you, I, you can probably I can hear me hear on you. your side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you're going through my uh, desktop audio. There it is. I'm in. I'm All good. All right. Welcome wow. to the technical challenge show where we yeah. have a bunch of bugs. Gremlins. You know, it's not like we've done 125 episodes before, yeah. so we don't really have any experience as we do uh, this. It's just uh, silly. <laughs> um, we are a Dungeons & Dragons podcast where we talk about all things D&D and RPGs and just things that we find interesting. Uh, we are... Uh, I feel like it's the calm before the storm. We're going to get a lot, of, a lot of stuff coming up. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, this in September, October... November, like they yeah. want Christmas season to hit and things like that. Um, yeah. Into the summer so, yeah. is kind of that that lazy summer's about to end. Kids are yeah. getting back to schools or or online about to ready to do go school. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so a lot of online stuff here, which is uh, good because where I live, the cases have gone up and up and up because people are mm-hmm. like, "Well, I don't want to believe in it." And it's like, "Well, it's right. kind of happening." <laughs> and so anyway, hey, we don't need to talk uh pandemic stuff just stay safe wash your hands wear a mask um but uh yeah we talk about dungeons dragons uh we typically do uh kind of like a a inspiration for the week on things that we find are cool and inspired us and in the world of creating tabletop role-playing games and then we talk about the games that we are currently playing of which uh i have two and i think uh lucian has one and two and a couple weeks ago we talked about a lot of games because it was gen con and then last yeah. week we predominantly talked about uh, with our, our special guest. So mm-hmm. it was cool. Um, in the news of D&D, this isn't like big news, but this is big news for me. Uh, mm-hmm. Our friend of the show, uh, Elise D&D, mm-hmm. um, she's been on a couple of Lucian's games. She's been on one of yeah. my games. We, we, uh, we play tested Dragon on the Mount with her. Uh, mm-hmm. She led Satine Phoenix, did something with her. Where, yeah, you were in that too, weren't you? Didn't we play mm-hmm. that uh, Eberron game together? Yeah, the Eberron game. Yeah, yeah. So we played an Eberron game. It was really fun. Uh, mm-hmm. It was promoting something. Maybe it was Rising for the Last War. It was just uh, Guiding Light or something like that. But uh, yeah, she's, Guiding Light, I think. Yeah, yeah. she's been, uh, Elise has been uh, building and working on a uh, supplement for the DMs Guild called Th- Through the Veil, and it's uh, mm-hmm. Tales of the Feywild. Um, and if you're familiar with a lot of uh, DMs Guild products lately, uh, they are like the Uncaged Anthology and things like that. They're usually kind of, uh, here's a bunch of, not necessarily one shots, but like like little adventures you can sprinkle into a bigger campaign. So it's like, oh, when they go to the Feywild, it's like, here's a Feywild adventure. And that's exactly what this book is. Um, and it's it's pretty cool. It's, uh, yeah, Through the Veil, Tales of the Feywild. I'll put a link in, uh, obviously in the thing below. But I will also put a link in our chat. Um, and, oh, Elise is here. So, hello, Elise. Elise is here. Nice. So yeah, She's really good about, like, gathering other content creators together. She's been working with lots of teams to build team-like books. She does a lot of content herself, too. 
Um, and she's, yeah, she's really exploded in the, you know, creating D and D stuff for us yeah. to bring into our games, which is no, super cool. 100%. And she grabbed a lot of cool people, uh, a lot of great mm -hmm. artists, great writers, and they, mm -hmm. uh, made this compilation of stuff. Um, it's really fun. And, uh, the, and I feel bad saying this, I guess I should just be like, Elisa is my friend. I want to talk about this, but mm -hmm. kind of the reason that I were talking about this is, uh, uh, she asked me a long time ago to write the uh, forward for it. So I have a small little forward at the beginning. I love the Feywild, like, a lot. Uh, mm -hmm. I love the Alice in Wonderland of it. And uh, what's really cool is they have um, some new monsters. Like, there's a Jabberwock in here, Jabberwocky, which is really Gotta cool. Um, mm -hmm. There's just, like, and a lot of people worked on this for a long time. Like, this wasn't just yeah. thrown together in a month. Like, they've been, they've been hammering this up for a while. The layout's cool. I really like the art. Um, and I do promise to do, uh, a, I'm going to do a DMs Guild review of it, like in mm -hmm. thorough, uh, but I've just slammed with a lot of stuff right now. So, uh, that won't happen for a little bit, but it, it will happen. So anyway, you should check it out. Uh, you can get it in uh, a hardback book, which is kind of cool. Uh, or you can get it as a PDF. And if you like the Feywild or if your characters think they're going to visit the Feywild, mm -hmm. uh, very, very good thing because fifth edition so the Feywild was invented for fourth edition. There was always like the realm of Fey, I think, in earlier editions. Mm -hmm. But like the term Feywild was a fourth edition thing. And uh, in fifth edition, there's not a lot of information. It's just kind of like if you look in the DMSG, it's just like, here's this place. Like it's maybe a couple pages. So something like this is really awesome. And to have fifth edition stats and stuff and adventures and, and things like that, really cool for tiers one through four. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, follow the project with hashtag through the veil uh, on all of the social medias. Uh, and if you pick it up, that would make uh, Elise very happy, but it would make me happy too. It's really cool. Yeah, it makes sense. I, I'm surprised we haven't gotten a bigger book for 5e about it because it is a, such a big part of the Forgotten Realms world or the D&D world just because you have player characters that you can play that are fey. You have a plethora of creatures that are listed as fey in yeah. the monster manuals and all the extra books that come out. There's so many things that reference it so often. It's not like a, a small one-off thing that we only hear about a little bit. It's like really interwoven in the world a lot, yet we don't have a lot of Wizards of the Coast like um, campaign guidebooks for it or you know in-depth guides. We have to go back to the earlier editions if you're going to find anything on those. So I'm surprised they haven't really fleshed that one out because I would say that one's even a bigger impact on the world than say like the Shadowfell probably bigger impact than than some of the planes out there maybe you know you're going to get to the fey or you're going to interact with the fey more than you're ever going to yeah. interact with the ninth level of hell unless you happen to do the baldur's gate you know campaign well, even, but other than that yeah you know even the baldur's gate the, campaign you're only yeah. going to the first level of hell yeah you're in a uh, forest yeah. and you're fighting dryads or unicorns or whatever it is that's out there you're already interacting with yeah. the fey world and so i'm surprised we don't get a, a bigger push on that but, but hey you got through the veil here can help you just bring that yeah. stuff into your campaign and really make those those outer wilds outside of the cities really mean something in your world that's maybe a little bit different than we get if we just play mm -hmm. the straight modules out so pretty cool yeah it's uh one of the things i like about the feywild is it's very open to interpretation and like everybody's feywild is different and i think that's the beauty of it like it's not if you go over this hill you'll find this castle it's mm -hmm. like, I went over this hill and I found a castle and I spent 10 years of my life there. And then the gnome woke up 
and it all disappeared and I was living in a dream for the last 15 and you're like what and like I like that so much and so it's yeah. it's like it exists but it doesn't exist and all this really interesting stuff uh and yeah. so books like this are kind of fun because they can really sit us alongside canon books that if Wizards mm. of the Coast ever makes one uh because it is just like this fluid weird place yeah. you know and and uh, yeah, I was same like with the Shadowfell the Shadowfell is just like this expansive area where we're like we don't know what's out there like yeah, it's yeah. you know kind of creepy i like the versions I've, I've seen some people describe where you have like the court of summer and you have the court of yeah. winter and they're they're maybe battling against each other and then there's a hidden maybe court of twilight or something that's the mm -hmm. the in-between season but they they have their own huge faction thing going on with lots of politics and lots of things that are going on that players could get involved yeah. in and there's lots of allies or enemies or people switching sides or trying to figure out why something's going the way it was. So you could create a very political game, which would be really fun too, if you're using that version of a, of a Feywild. Yeah. And you can just go crazy with Feywild stuff because you can describe anything as a Fey. You could have like the stats of, uh, I don't know, just a cave bear, but then you just call it a, you know, a fey bear or whatever it is. And it's like, because it's made out of, you know, uh, flowers and branches and trees and things, it's still a big cave bear stat wise, but it's got more flavor to it now, the way it looks or the way it was grown or the way it was created or, you know, where it came from and the, the natural spirit that's inside it that took that form or whatever. So mm -hmm. you can really let your imagination flow with some really crazy stuff. Um, and that's fun. And you could take it the fairy tale route, like you're talking about. Mm -hmm. You could take it, you know, just the the that deep, dark Lord of the Rings always would mention some places like that where nobody ever goes there anymore. Or it's, or it's lost in time and they just only remember, you know, stories about it, but they haven't been there. So you could take it even to that route where it's just like something barely, barely known or something. So I think it's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm remembering a podcast I listened to a long time ago and they, they did a Feywild adventure and uh, they had a autumn court or like a, a mm, palace of yeah. autumn and it was like hunting themed. And, and I just, you Very think about that and you're like, you're right. You're like stocking up for the winter. So you're, you're, you know, salting mm -hmm. animals and you're storing grain and stuff. And they were, they had like, you know, hunting trophies. And it was this like, I don't know, it was just really interesting. And the spring one was very different from that and the winter one and stuff. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I, I don't know. I like, I, I'm a big sucker for Alice in Wonderland mm -hmm. and, uh, there's a, a surrealist film I really enjoy. And there's a, a surrealist filmmaker that I like that was heavily inspired by, uh, Alice in Wonderland. And so I just like those nonsense stuff. They're really fun. And I feel like D&D is a good place for that. It's kind of cool because it is just like, what do you want to do? Uh, so that is out now. You can get that in hardback. You should go check it out. Link in the doobly-doo. Uh, what else is going on in the world of Dungeons & Dragons? Well, just to, to keep a couple of dates in mind, they're not new announcements or anything like that, but we always like to make sure you know when stuff's coming out. So we did see the Curse of Strahd revamped coffin box. They call it the box set, but I guess we should call it the coffin set. Um, and I noticed it came out October 20th, which makes sense. It feels like because it feels like that would be right before Halloween. So you could get your box set that has everything in it with your props and your DM screen. And maybe you could run a you know Curse of Strahd on Halloween night with your friends or family or uh, group mates that you play with. I think mm -hmm. that'd be pretty fun mm -hmm. if you're mm -hmm. huge into group Curse of Strahd. Everybody I know that's played it usually has really high marks about it. I haven't played it myself. Um, most people really like that. And then there's also that huge part of our tabletop community that love vampire-y stuff anyways, whether it's Dungeons and Dragons or not. So they, they love that too. So keep an eye out for that on October 20th. Um, and then Icewind Dale, which we've been talking about quite a bit, Rhyme of the Frostmaiden, that's September 15th, which means looking at my little 
corner here of my computer that tells me what the date is, that's only one month away, 30 days. Yeah. And we have Icewind Dale, Rhyme of the Frost Maiden, sitting on our desks. So did you see? That's uh, pretty cool. That'll be fun. Did you see that? Uh, I we've been following the Amazon price because it was a hundred dollars, and everyone was like, "That's way too much for this uh, Curse of Strahd mm -hmm. set." And then it went down to uh, I didn't see the price sixty dollars, and now it's okay. gone up to like eighty eight. Like Whoa. it's it's bounced back and it's forth back a lot. Up. Um, sorry, uh, people in chat are asking about the director. The director is Jan Funkmeyer. That's who I was talking about. I studied him in college. He's really cool. Um, uh, but not D&D &D related, so we don't really need to deep dive into that just now. Um, but no, the price went up. Uh, and so I was like, ooh, it kind of felt like maybe, like I didn't want it, but now I kind of was like, I should have got it at $60. Mm -hmm. uh, that being said, uh, I'm more excited about the minis. Like they're making yeah. Strahd-specific minis. And if this yeah. is that iconic like you could, I mean, we, we've ran it from AD and D all the way to mm -hmm. fifth edition. People have converted it to Pathfinder. Like it's just this thing. Uh, those are really cool minis to have. Cause like you then have Strahd forever. Anyway. So I, I, I'm more excited about the minis, but they have been, they're not in the coffin box set, which a lot of people were upset about. Um, but they're coming out at the same time on October 20th. So, right. Yeah. But they're yeah, not getting as much like hype. And I'm just like, they're clearly the cooler mm -hmm. thing. But yeah. Well, there's like a Terra deck of some sort that they have a, a name. Taraka deck. Yeah. Taraka deck. They have little postcard handouts to be able to give to your players so they can see different things. It's got a DM screen to it for sure. Mm -hmm. So, it's got some things for, you know, some things you're going to get tangible in your hands to be able to use. So, Kind of similar to like the the Beatles and Grimm kind of stuff that they do with the uh, you know handouts and um, physical materials that you can use at the table to enhance your game. Mm -hmm, so it should be mm -hmm. pretty fun. For it doesn't sound like there's anything different about the adventure itself. So you know whatever the it sounds like that's still pretty much the same. I feel like you get the adventure in the box set. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if it's a hardcover book. I think nope, it's more it's like soft, a soft cover. soft cover. Um, so. and it's divided up. So you have like the adventure, and then you have another book that's the monsters. And, and stuff like that so i guess it's oh, easier to kind of flip through and you could have yeah, like yeah. okay i have the map open here and now over here i've got the monsters. oh yeah maps and stuff so, too, so oh and it yeah it comes with maps uh i don't know i i don't i don't feel like it's like this it should have come out when curse of strahd came out uh but they did not do that so it's they a little weird to have one later it. on but i i you're right but i feel <laughs> that uh Beetle and Grimm, I wonder if they were pressuring them where they're like, we kind of want to do more than one product a year and you're only making like one big storyline a year. Like, can we? Uh... And so I wonder if they were just like, oh, and this is an experiment. Like Strahd's very popular. Um, yeah. uh, I should say Ravenloft is very popular. And with this experiment, uh, Chris Perkins even said, like, if people want this, then we can do it again. Because mm -hmm. if Tomb of Annihilation is really, really popular and you want us to make a whole Tomb of Annihilation $100 box set, we'll do that. And I was like, re I, I would be kind of interested in that. But <laughs> I would buy that me. one. That one's my so, favorite right now. Because our that, Out yeah. of the Abyss, I love Out of the Abyss. I still want to run Out of the Abyss. Like, it's really good. Box so. set would be cool. Or even older ones. You can go back to your fourth edition adventures. So yeah. bringing some of those back as a box set edition, you know. Yeah, Very a whole Tomb of Horrors, like, it's a short module, but like a whole tomb of horrors thing that comes with minis and maps and like, yeah. and, and panned outs to be like, this is what you see that I would buy that like 100% yeah. with a, a printed copy of the original, like a, a reprint of like how it looked originally. And so you could mm -hmm. have like the history of it. Nice uh, big yeah. map of Omu. That would be, be cool. Great. Ah, super so cool. good.
<laughs> so that's uh, those are the things to keep in mind. October 20th, uh, Curse of Strahd revamped. September 15th, one month from now, Icewind Dale, Rhyme of the Frostmaiden. A lot of hype's getting built up on this one. That one we also saw, the only thing I saw on Twitter go by was Chris Perkins posted one of the pictures and it was of what appears to be like a city sitting in yeah. a frozen cliffside, which allowed a lot of people to speculate, guesstimate, uh, internet sleuth their way into wondering what is it? Is it one of the floating cities? Is it um, an alien city? Is it, you know, so, is it something from a plains area? What, mm. you know, what could this thing be? That's it's stuck. clearly like it's just i mean yeah but it's i mean it, the, the picture is really cool yeah. uh and a lot of people automatically went to drow and i think it's just because of the the creepiness of it and like drow have towers or at least menzo berenzen does clean. and it's all black yeah. yeah but i don't i don't feel drow i think it's like a mind flare thing i don't know like is this a weird mind flare city and they're yeah but because they yeah there's like a little arena there's an obelisk we can't have a, a game without an obelisk mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and, and i wonder if it's i wonder if it's extinct and it's been there for like billions of years kind of a thing or mm -hmm. if it's a recent like it just teleported in so i don't know it's, and, it's cool yeah is it it's inhabited really cool. is it completely empty what you know what, what's going yeah. on there that's like the the storytelling potential of just that picture Mm -hmm. is awesome on its own the, the idea that your your party could be on their way to another town they're out in the snow maybe they get a little lost and they just happen to stumble upon this thing that's sitting mm -hmm. inside of a mountain or a cliff of ice and you yeah. just be like now what do we do because you know, what if you're super cool i mean go go on go with me on this what if you're a research yeah. team yeah. and you're in the north you know doing stuff and then like a airship comes by and they're chasing a dog and they're like shooting the dog and you're like, what's going on? And what's then the on? dog, you take the dog in with your other dogs and then it yeah. turns out to be the thing. And that's literally the plot of the thing. Uh, that's yeah. the joke. That's exactly the way I would take it. John Carpenter style. <laughs> uh, so much fun. No, it's really cool. So check out, uh, check out that post from Chris Perkins and speculate with us. Uh, some people think Netheril. Um, there was, was floating. There was a, a floating city. Yeah. There was a Netheril city. No, sorry. There was a Netherese wizard who left Netheril because he knew that all magic was going to stop. And he went to uh, the frozen north and we've never heard from him since. So a lot of people are like, is he still kicking it up there? Is he Until dead? Like, we don't know. Now. So that could be cool. Uh, there's been a couple of uh, cities. Well, one of them teleported to the Shadowfell for a little while, but that, that city came back. Mm -hmm in a, a novel so i think it's not that city but like i don't know it's kind of cool well, I, I i wonder i hope because something that big could be an adventure on its own so oh yeah do we get in icewind dale rhyme of the frost maiden do we get just a blurb and it's just left up completely like a one paragraph thing and it's like here you go dms run with it or mm. do they really give us some stuff on it and say here's a couple of pages on it or mm. more so you can dive into it if you really want to or they leave it wide open because they're very notorious for we'll give you a tidbit and then you can just take it from there because that's not a lot of work on their side you will just give you the hook and then you take your hook and you run with it so it might be something like that but man i would love if they've got three or four pages of what's went on the history of it what's there now and then you can fill in all the stuff you want as a dm to say okay now i'm really excited about this thing yeah um, more than just maybe just a sentence or a paragraph that says yeah. they see a 
abandoned city in the cliffside, you know, or whatever it might be. So very cool. I'm excited for it. It gets me more excited. I like the idea of Icewind Dale. It's funny too, because I was looking at their product page and they had Baldur's Gate and Icewind Dale computer games, right? Mm -hmm. So we've now had tabletop campaigns that have covered um, Waterdeep, yep. Baldur's Gate, Icewind mm -hmm. Dale. Um, I guess really the only one we haven't had in fifth edition, we haven't really had one called Neverwinter oh. and then something, right? So I guess that's really the only one we're waiting on or what's yeah. the other big city out there that they could do? Maybe Silvery Moon might be a pretty, I mean, there's one lots that people of cities, heard of yeah. or, but like ones that are popular enough. That oh, well the heard. video games are going to make them popular. So it's going to be Baldur's yeah. Gate, Waterdeep and, and there's not a, I don't think there's a Waterdeep video game. I don't think like, there that's is. That's just the biggest city on the Sword Coast. Yeah. The three um, I can think of were Neverwinter. But Neverwinter's huge, yeah. Baldur's Gate, Icewind Dale were the games I remember yeah. playing. So, yeah, very cool. I, I wonder, well, the Neverwinter MMO's going on. I wonder if they're going to make another Neverwinter game. And because these are all, you know, it didn't have to be called Baldur's Gate Descent into Avernus. It should have just been called yeah. Descent into Avernus because that's what it is. Yeah. And like the first Baldur's Gate thing is kind of superfluous. But, uh, and I feel the same thing about this. This should just be Rime of the Frost Maiden. There's, you might start in Icewind Dale, but they're doing it as like a tie in. So maybe they're about to announce an Icewind Dale game. I don't, I don't know. Computer game. You never know. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, we'll, we'll see how Baldur's Gate does. The, the Baldur's Gate 3. Um, that game but, is looking, yeah. every time I see more of it, Mm -hmm. I'm more and more hyped about getting it. And I think we're getting closer and closer to, it might be a 2020 release. We might get it late near Christmas time. It it was release. scheduled for 2020, but uh, as all video games, pushed? you know, they they need to work on it. So uh, I don't know. Uh, I haven't been following that as closely, but like it's on my, excuse me, it's on my Steam wish list. Yeah, I'll be And I, sure. I look at it every once in a while uh, with longing. And I'm like, oh, that Steam wish list. I Those are my two, two games I'm waiting on. <laughs> um boy tangent i got a new game called time spinner i like old looking games and this is a 16-bit mm -hmm. platformer metroidvania game uh so much fun i haven't had a lot of time to play it but you like those platform games i do i like metroidvania <laughs> and it's like really a hollow knight so good anyway this one yeah. really really good super fun very cool um there was a D&D survey that came out. Uh, I took it. Did you take a listen? Yep. Lucid. Every year uh, they send out one or two of these and mm -hmm. uh, yeah, try to take them to give my input just so that it's yeah. not just the the loudest crazies on the internet giving them input. Yeah. They, and they this is get the, a moderate view. <laughs> this is the overall kind of the direction yeah. we want D&D to go. This is not like the play test uh, ones no. that they usually have. So uh, and it was weird because a lot of people were saying like, hey, uh, what what is this? And they're like, oh, well, you're giving them free market research is what it is. Like normally people like sure. pay for this or they send out people to go to stores and be like, what do you like about D&D, &D, you know? Or mm -hmm. they do this in movies all the time. Like you leave a movie and someone's there to be like, what did you think of the movie? Would it appeal to like 10 year olds? And you're like, I don't, I'm leaving. Um, so uh, uh, there were people on the internet that were just like, you're giving them free market research. It's not good, but, or don't do that. And I'm like, I don't really see the reason why we should or should not do that. It's my life. Uh, but mm -hmm. one guy, and the, granted, this is just one tweet I saw, said that overall Hasbro hasn't had the most profitable year, but it, we have the pandemic and stuff going on. So it's kind of like, okay. Uh, but D&D is doing really good. So mm -hmm. I wonder, they were thinking that this whole thing was pushed by Hasbro to be like, D&D is doing well. How can we make it do better? And we can make it do better if we simply... Uh, understand what the fans want and so it came down to a lot of or it came down to 
for me, and maybe you can chime in if you feel differently, Lucian, but it came down to no, I won't. which campaign that. settings do you want to see? Like yeah. Planescape, sure. Dark Sun, like what what has the most, you know, huts before you? Like what do you want? Uh Spelljammer. Spelljammer. Do you prefer digital or physical content? So they want to know, yeah. like, do we really need to double down on this D D Beyond stuff? Do we really need mm -hmm. to double down on print stuff? Uh, especially with the virus. Like, do you want us to make you know, like they have the Roll20 version of all this, but like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they're like, hey, we want to make a tabletop, a, a virtual tabletop platform that is integrated with D&D 100%. Because Roll20 released, uh, this is in our notes, but Roll20 released their stuff. And again, over 50% of all the games played on Roll20 are D&D 5th edition. And yeah. it's overwhelmingly like D&D. The quality's D &D, great. So. Yeah. Um, well, I'm to just me, saying like, you can play a lot of games on Roll20. Uh, but like they are, they're clearly, I mean, lots of people play on roll 20, but to have over 50% are just one game. Like that's kind of crazy. So this is the, the questions that were on it were on the same one a year and a half ago or two years ago. Yeah. We took. They were nearly identical, not too much different. Um, so for the people that are looking at this to say there's something about this year that's different and they're running the survey, the survey felt very similar to me as any of the other ones they ran. So yeah. I think they're trying to stay ahead of when are book sales going to die? Mm -hmm. And by putting this survey out, they're trying to always read the tea leaves or gauge, is this the year? Is this the year where everybody decides, you know what? I'm not buying any books. Yeah. I'm only buying digital. I've got my They want to know that tablet. before they- yeah, and I want PDFs on my this. tablet, or I want to do yeah. this. Yeah, because it's coming. Like they, I think they see that it's coming. People are. I know we love books, and I love books, and I put them up there too. But the convenience of having them digitally, and for people that use digital devices on a day in and day out basis, it's just inevitable. Within a few years, ten years, some area in there, we're going to stop using those analogs, and we're going to just keep using the digital. Well, stuff. So uh, I think a lot they're of trying to stay. Ahead. Yeah. And a lot of a lot of companies uh, are using Kickstarter now, so they know how many books to print. Yeah, because um, you don't want to overdo it. And a lot of people don't think about that, but like, yeah, if I if I go and print, you know, three hundred thousand copies of Curse of Strahd, and, and then I only sell a hundred thousand, you're like, okay, I've yeah. still got a warehouse that I'm paying rent to hold these books that I can't do anything yeah. with because they're just. Not that's selling. what Hasbro has to do. When yes. Hasbro greenlighted, let's do Strahd revamped. Somebody had to say to them, well, how many copies do you think we're going to yeah. sell? And somebody had to say, well, I don't know, 20,000? Yeah. <laughs> you know, is that how many we're going to yeah. sell? You know, and then when you run <laughs> out, you're like, okay, now we have to make the decision. The PHP we sold out. Uh, I guess we do another yeah. print run. Uh, and so Maybe we do. with, uh, and I, I don't know, like Goodman Games, perfect example. Um, they literally are like, hey, we're out of Dungeon Crawl classic books, like the core book. And they have a Kickstarter. And they'll change the cover, they'll update some stuff, and they'll just be like, if you want to grab it, here you go. But they use that to restock their inventory because they know that they're going to sell, like, okay, we've already sold, like, a thousand. Let's just buy two thousand or three thousand, and then they're not over buying on books. Yeah. And it's like, well, when people want this, they usually want a lot of... Uh, uh, yeah, they want digital stuff. Well, we'll just give them digital stuff. So, well, I think, and I, I think know. the other thing that leads into it is kind of the death of walking into store retail, yeah, versus buying print on demand or make on demand or ship on demand from mega warehouses mm -hmm. that are just waiting to say, Oh, you want this thing? All right, we make it in a day, 
we get it in the mail, it ships to your home and we're done. That that whole process also is slowly taking over yeah. the way everything's happening. So not only are they a book printing company, which is kind of going away like newspapers at this point, um, they're also in the company of we want to put product in stores and wait for people to walk mm-hmm. into stores to buy it. Well, wait a minute, that's going away too. So they're kind of in a tough place and I'm surprised they didn't just completely buy out D&D Beyond or just make their own to be fully ahead of the whole digital, everything moves to digital. And even if it didn't, like let's say it never happens. There's always people buying books for 50 years from now. Well, good, but they still would have their digital platform for people mm-hmm. to have to be on instead of letting kind of roll 20, grab that that market share, letting um, uh, the other ones, you know, uh, Tabletop Simulator or um, I've been seeing a couple of other ones out there lately too that everybody likes. I, I forget the ones that everybody likes. Fantasy I, Ground yeah. and uh, Fantasy Grounds. That's just, uh, there's a lot, um, and I've been D&D playing Beyond. with a few. I'm surprised of them. they don't have their own. I think that's their next step. Maps yeah. and minis, and I'm and they're going to take on Roll Twenty head to head. Now they have the they <clears throat> now they have the virtual dice, and I think that's yeah. the they're they're stepping slowly in there to be like okay, but yeah, I'm I'm also surprised yeah. they don't have that. Uh, so. Anyway. But I always fill out the surveys. I'm always willing to give a company feedback. If you're not willing to give a company feedback, you can't necessarily complain about what they do because then they're just guessing. And at that point, if you want to you know, always give them feedback, I can't imagine the, an argument to say not give them feedback. I want them to know what I like. I want them to know what I per and I like, I want them to take it as this is me personally, not as a big whole group put together or anything. It's just like, mm-hmm. Okay, these these sets of people they really like this thing, and this group of people they really like this one thing, and um, not just. I, know, I represent things were bought. Thousands of people though, so like yeah. I'm really well, I'm okay. Special. Jordan can yeah. be that way. <laughs> um, like, what is Jordan want? <laughs> You're the like last... a, a representative in in a senator or something. You're yeah, yeah, I am. I am D and D senator. I like that. <laughs> uh, the last uh, question or the last thing that they were talking about is like which. Which p- aspects of D&D do you like the most? Combat, exploration, role play, basically. Ooh, how so, did you answer that? Um, I don't know. I, I like all of them. I think, yeah, uh, I, I don't know. As a player, I which is weird saying this out loud, I don't know if I, I think role play is my least favorite. I love mm-hmm. D&D overall, and I love the yeah. stories we tell. But I have to say, exploration is my favorite. I'm always like, well, what's in the cupboard? Like, what's around the corner? Like, what mm-hmm. is he wearing? What, does he have anything? You know, like, I just like finding those little secrets. And it doesn't have to be a magic item. Like, I like the idea of, like, yeah, you find a note, and it's written in invisible ink, and you figure it out. And now you have better pieces of the story. Like, I like exploration like that. So. Yeah, it's funny, because the way I look at this, there's two ways. What it actually is, and what I want it to be. What I want it to be is exploration is my number one, my role play is number two, and my combat is number three, right? But in yeah. reality combat is the most fulfilling for me when I'm playing Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, Exploration is at the bottom because there's not a lot of mechanics that build. I want that exploration feeling, but I feel like I don't get it enough or there's not a way for a dungeon master to give it to me enough to really make me feel that, that wondrous emotion of discovery. Like I, I just, there's something about thinking about discovering something new that just drives you just, you know, that the dopamine starts going and then role play in there, you know, which is fine. It's fun to play, but I don't necessarily need to be, you know, voices. I don't need to be 10 different personalities because I'm playing in three or four different campaigns. Those are fun, but the reality of the fun I get out of that is very centered. But combat, whenever I play combat, I'm satisfied because Mm -hmm. the mechanics work, the game works, 
It's fun to defeat things. It's fun to try to outthink things. It's fun to think about ways to move around on the map. I just love it. That's the most uh, fulfilling gameplay part of, of Dungeons and Dragons, the way it's set up. So other yeah. games are not that way. You play, you play kids on bike, and it's totally different. It's like combat's nothing in, in yeah. kids on bikes, but well, there's no initiative. Exploration just like yeah, great, those are know? huge. So yeah. yeah, so it's really different depending. And but in Dungeons and Dragons, it's for me. I want it to be exploration then role play, then combat, but it actually ends up being combat's the most fun, role play's pretty good, and then I wish we had more for exploration. I wish there mm -hmm. was something mechanically that was happening that drove the fun for exploration. So, but good, good survey. Yeah, um, and then uh, the last thing, which came out of the blue for me, uh, yeah, I and I, this morning. I don't know exactly what happened or what's going on, but Kate Welch uh, announced mm -hmm. on Twitter that she has left Wizards of the Coast. Um, and specifically, she said, I was very lucky to enjoy working here for the better part of three years and working with some of the smartest and coolest folks in the biz. I'm not sure what comes next, but I'm excited for the future. Uh, and I don't know if this is odd. She used to tweet a lot. Uh, and this tweet came yesterday, but the tweet before this was June 25th. Like, mm -hmm. she didn't tweet for, like, an entire month. And... I don't know, like you can kind of just step away from Twitter and which is good and healthy and maybe that's something she needed to do. But it mm -hmm. makes me wonder if something was going on and they were like, you know, cause Mike Merles doesn't tweet anymore either. And I know he's getting kind of chased off Twitter and the internet, but like, uh, I don't know. I wonder if they're just like, oh, we yeah. don't like well, everybody doing Wizards this. Is getting and then I, I wonder if Wizard, <laughs> yeah, it makes me feel like uh, uh, Wizards was just kind of like, we don't want you to do this and then Maybe that's why she's like, well, I don't want you to control this aspect of me. Like, I'm going to leave. So, uh, I don't know. Um, but it's, I'm kind of sad. Like, I liked her influence on stuff, and she's a cool lady, and so who knows? But uh, yeah, she she'll obviously keep doing cool stuff, and so, yeah. Anyway, follow her on very, Twitter. I, I liked dance. her energy she had, especially in the, in the early days. Um, I love yeah. the show she was doing with Nathan. Um, and we never know. We could speculate anything. It could be... She has to, she has a different career option that she wants to explore. It could be some family thing going on that now somebody yeah. has to step back from the job they have to do, you know, who knows? Yeah. What the and I'm not trying are, to like, they yeah. Tell us. yeah. Yeah. Unless I'm not trying to point the thing at wizards. It just, it's just really weird. And there's a lot of internal stuff happening at wizards yeah. and, and we're not privy to it. And I don't know what's going on. And uh, so anyway, yeah. but uh, I, I was sad to see her leave. So I thought she was a cool lady. Yeah, I, th I, I liked yeah. her. Uh, I thought she had brought a lot of energy. But maybe that's that's the one thing, too, is when you're a high energy person, maybe at some point there's that low, right? You have those highs, those super highs for, for as long as you can do it. But then all of a sudden, that's your energy's done for a bit. And you got to recharge type thing. Yeah. And I know somebody else from um, uh, the same game she played in Acquisitions, Inc. that worked over at... Um, where she came from too. Penny Arcade. Everything's blanking in my mind. Yeah, Penny Arcade works there as an artist there too. So yeah, yeah. Amy a lot of people that. are moving from like Penny Arcade over to Wizards of the Coast and they have such a close relationship. I feel like they're both pretty good. You know, I love I, well Penny, because Penny of Arcade acquisitions people. incorporated, they have a really yeah. good yeah. But I mean I, I kind of so. trust Jerry Holkins kind of read on people. I trust Mike's read on people. I don't think they'd be doing a ton of business if they weren't working with really good people. And I think that's what Wizards of the Coast are, yeah. you know, good people. So 
we'll see hopefully we'll see her in the same space maybe she's i don't hopefully she's not done with role-playing stuff maybe she will see her in another ttrpg maybe she'll go join matt colville matt colville's building out his studio and doing stuff or maybe she'll go with pathfinder one of the other big companies that are out there and we'll see her we'll see her some more yeah cool. sounds uh hopefully uh that that's all for the news i had uh, which leads yeah, us into <laughs> our wondrous uh, section called Bardic Inspiration. Inspiration. I didn't play it this time. I, I was ready, ready with the ready. noise. So good. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Oh, somebody else said uh, that Satine had stepped away from Wizards of the Coast. That was a long time ago. But Satine Phoenix, who used to be their community organizer, she she left as well. Um um, and that was to start guiding light. Like she just wanted to do, I think she wants to be her own boss, but, um, yeah, she, no, she left I, as me well. Too. <laughs> me too, Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I also want to be my own boss. So if you want to, um, watch some YouTube videos and allow me to yeah. make a lot of money, that would be good. Yeah, I, be not a boss. lot. I just want to pay my mortgage and take care of my wife and baby. Sure. That's how they um, all say it. That's all yeah. I want. And then uh, you get your Ferrari. And then I'll get my Ferrari and I'll <laughs> donate it to the children who need Ferraris. Um, Bardic Inspiration, uh, where we are inspired by something in the world. And I am going gonna, uh, I'm, I'm gonna to say, Lucian, go first. What was your Bardic Inspiration? What's going on in your head for an RPG game? So much. I've got something going on that I was going to put in there, but I thought it would give too much of a hint of something I've got going on. So I don't think oh. I would do it. So then I had to come up with something different. And I was thinking about John Carpenter. I was thinking about what's a different angle for a campaign. And I came up with an idea of what about players are some type of parasite and okay. the only well, way they, they are, can affect the world. And the poor dungeon true. master just has to live with these <laughs> yeah. terrible parasites. Run true. games for his dungeon master. <laughs> And the only way they can affect the world or gain things that they need is by infecting a host and they gain the abilities of that host. So they can, you know, they, maybe they, they want to do something in a town and one of the players infects a town guard and now they're the town guard and they can do all the things that the town guard can do. And you can give them a little NPC stat sheet that has their abilities and stats on it and they can play as that town guard and do the things that they need to do right mm -hmm. and so I thought that the idea of these players would could choose strategically who they thought was going to give them the abilities they needed to complete whatever quest you put them on or whatever storyline they're they're doing maybe they're being hunted down maybe there's a couple of other threads going on out there that they're trying to figure out and I thought it'd be fun because then you could just hand them over basically stat blocks from the monster manual or stat mm -hmm. blocks from, you know, just build stat blocks out versus full on character sheets like we kind of use now. And it would make it kind of a fun thing that they could do, you know, swap these things in and out, but to make it so that they have to think about it and be a little bit more strategic. If they leave a host, the host dies. So hopefully you're playing on their, their morality that says, yes, we're a parasite and yes, we need to survive, but that doesn't mean we can just keep jumping from person to person, to person and kill thousands of people trying to get these mm -hmm. or, or moving around. So hopefully they have some moral conundrum about that piece of it, but they know they need powerful abilities at times. So sometimes you could be a parasite of an owl bear, or you could be a parasite of a, of a dragon or something, or you could be a parasite of a, of whatever to get the abilities you need to try to continue staying ahead of what's hunting you and solving whatever mystery you put into the campaign. So that was kind of 
the idea of you're not necessarily a single character, but you're jumping yeah. around to these to these different things that you can play and role play out and stuff. Um, so. Yeah, well, and I like this idea. Uh, specifically, uh, there's a, a six-level uh, wizard spell called Magic Jar. And mm. your body falls in a catatonic state, your soul leaves, and then it goes and inhabits another humanoid within 100 feet. You could... I like this idea where you could be like, hey, I want to uh, I want to have a whole campaign where a wizard casts magic jar and something went wrong. And now mm -hmm. your entire party are these like ethereal spirits that mm -hmm. have to figure out how do we get back in our bodies, but they can possess people and like interact as those people. And so they're trying to solve a mystery of why this happened to them. And mm -hmm. then that's the same thing. They get to keep their intelligence, charisma and wisdom but you hand them cards or like, here's your new physical yeah. stats. Um, yeah, and like, cool. yeah, like you now have dark vision because you're in a drow or you now have this uh, kind of cool. Like that would be kind of a fun, I like that idea. Yeah. And I like, and then add something that hunts them down that knows about them, that keeps pressure, mm -hmm. keeps them moving forward and not just settling in. Never, never allows them to settle too much. They have to stay focused on what they're doing and either getting back to what they're supposed to be or finding a safe haven, or trying to understand why they are the way they are, or whatever, while being hunted. Very similar, like if you guys, if you watched uh, Umbrella Academy, I just we just finished that last night, season two, and it was such a good um, show to watch on Netflix. Um, you know, they're being hunted by the Bureau. It's just a cool mechanic to keep pushing you forward and keep keep the, the pressure built up on you. So I, I like that idea, so. But that was my bardic inspiration, the idea. And what I liked also about it was the ability to give your players the ability to really stretch their imagination and play different things or have to solve problems with different sets of skills and abilities. Because, you know, one one camp, one night, they might be in the guard, like we said, and they have guard-like abilities. But then by the next session, they've they've inhabited, like I said, an owl bear or something for whatever reason. And now they have to figure out how to solve the things they're doing with those sets of skills and things, which are very different from the sets of, you know, the guards or, or the magic user, or the sorcerer, they take over the barbarian or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I thought it would be pretty fun. And just handing those little cards out would be fun. If you, if you made them, like you laminated them out, maybe you just, you know, had them done up pretty good. You could just hand them out real quick and then people were, were off and rolling. Mm -hmm. so, very yeah. Fun. That almost sounds like it'd be a fun, uh, like, single card rpg in a way like yeah. very simple rules but then the fun of it is that you're changing bodies all the time and then you yeah. know the the dungeon master's throwing out new cards so not even like a fifth edition mechanic just like that so i don't know that's really cool so Good what about bardic jordan's bardic inspiration he must have had something uh yeah him. so <laughs> i uh i've been world building and nice. making a map for your world uh mm. difficult and there are a lot of public tools uh, that, I say public, uh, free online tools that allow you to create all slew of magical worlds and, and comes with cities and populations and it's really cool. Uh, and then mm -hmm. I, was, I was thinking about uh, some of the other methods that people do is they put like beans or rice and they'll just like move it around on a page and be like, this kind of feels like a good map. And then you trace it and stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, well, so my wife, was we were playing with the baby and she was trying to have like an activity for him. And so she put a canvas uh, in a plastic bag with some paint in it. And then he could like squish around the plastic bag on the top 
and mm-hmm. make like a little finger painting, but not get a bunch of paint in his face and eyes because he's nine months old. So my nine month old baby made this uh, painting campaign. World. And I thought it was really cool. And so I was just like proud of my little son. Cause I mean, I'm proud. He didn't know what he was doing, but it's fine. Uh, so I took it and I put it on Twitter and I'm like, isn't this cool? And everyone's like, that looks like a campaign map. And I was like, it kind of does. And so the more I was thinking about it, I was like, is this, is it, should this be my world? Like I've kind of got like deserts and green and oceany mm-hmm. beaches, like the way the colors are. Uh, so that's a thought I might do that. Uh, and so it got me thinking, like, why why don't you have your dog paint you a world? Like, why don't you have your baby? Like why don't you have something like that? And mm-hmm. uh, I guess my bardic inspiration overall, I was thinking, I'm trying to control so much of this, but allowing, like, the players to make the world or allowing uh, your neighborhood kid to do that. I kind of, you know, you can really want... extrapolate on what they're doing. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of cool. I so. want the parody video of Jordan selling a new product about creating campaign maps. And it's talks about buying your own nine month, nine nine month old baby that Uh does the thing, but you do it with straight lace. This is an actual product and you buy it for 99, 99 subscription a year. You too could have your own nine month old baby build campaign worlds. And And then that little asterisk where it's really fast. And it's yeah, like so uh, nine month baby lasts only a one, only one month and then becomes yeah. 10 month baby. Yeah, uh, no, it's month. fun. So I don't know. I, I like that a lot. And, and just <laughs> spilling coffee or tea and building a world like that. And yeah. I think that's much more organic and interesting and fun. And I don't know. I, uh, WASD 20 Nate from that YouTube Nate, channel. He does a lot that. of, uh, a lot of map stuff map and he does, he makes really cool maps. Um, and I think he has a couple videos on just like, let's make a map with beans. Let's make a map yeah. like this. But I never thought about this, but I, I really like that. And so that might, that might be my world map that I create. I Very know. cool. You know, it, it reminds me of laying on the side of a hill, staring at the big fluffy yeah. clouds that go by and you're just kind of alone. You're not really doing anything. And then a cloud goes by and it reminds you of something or you think you see something. And then, yeah. So that's just like, I like, like I see a seahorse there almost. That, that to me looks like there's a, a seahorse in the water and there's some type of really cool underwater adventure about to happen when I look at that. So. Uh, welcome to Rorschach Test the Show. Yeah. Uh, and all of you wonderful people, uh, I will put, who are listening via podcast, I will put a link to this uh, tweet and you can see the picture if you want. Um, yeah. But yeah, so cool. that's my bardic inspiration. Kind of simple. I liked it. it was Very fun. cool. So when can I expect my campaign map to be done, Jordan? Uh, when will uh, I, I don't know. I'll, done I'll have to. I'll have to work on that. <laughs> okay, uh, I need one. <laughs> I I totally. We well. So Shannon wanted to do them for Christmas presents from Oliver, oh, and we were okay. gonna just make a whole bunch of them and see because he has fun with it. That's um. Nice. So yeah, maybe I'll have to send you one and be like, here you cool. go. Very cool. <laughs> My own campaign world. And Oliver original. Thanks, Oliver. Yeah. <laughs> but back to games. Uh, with our 13 minutes left, um, our Dungeon of the Mad Mage Lucian running around yeah. no longer. No, wait, you were a bugbear. I was. Well, I started out as a halfling cavalier. Halfling, that's what it was. And then you he changed. He couldn't stand the murder hobos of the party yeah. in game, in character, so he left. And I brought in the shadow assassin, uh, what really was a ranger. Um, yeah. Shady Tooth, the bugbear, which was yes. really fun to play, but died by Dragon Breath. The yes. only way to die like you as a do. character. Like you right? do. And now I am firmly in place of my Aarakocra 
arcane archer that's right i was like who are you playing now a monster with sharpshooter in his nice. long bow oh it yeah is, sharpshooter um 20 decks you know just going going off the rails on the damage charts um, i'm waiting for my dm to kill me just because it's it's too much per round for me to just hammer in air i'm doing like 40 or 50 points of damage every single round and it's just outstripping almost everybody in the party and so it can't last for long I'm yeah sure. fighters are strong <laughs> yeah, uh like it was crazy. funny because somebody was bringing up on a podcast i listened to they're like the eldritch knight is not the best fighter but is still really good because the yeah. fighter is just a really good class they fighter's did it just good yeah fighters good yeah. And and when you top you when you put in some of those feats that let you add plus ten to damage because yeah. you take a minus five to accuracy, but yeah, you know, I get a plus five to accuracy just because I have a twenty dex. So all of a sudden, mm. you know, it's crazy. But I love it. But I do want to point out this is the dungeon of the mad mage. This is not dungeon of the angry mage. This is dungeon of the mad mage in the fact that he's pretty crazy. And so there's lots of crazy stuff so far in those very first levels, lots of funny humor in this so if you mm. want to play a game that has a lot of funniness to it and also just random things that make no sense well it's the dungeon of the mad mage so of course yeah. there's things in there that just make to totally no sense at yeah. all right so it's really cool you can dive into that whole thing yeah good old Holaster did you this. uh have how far are you in what's your what level well we're mapping the levels um and so we're, we're doing we found the stairs down to second level about a session or two ago okay. and we could have went down like i think a normal party would have but we're mapping it for acquisitions inc they want a map of all of the levels so we didn't go down and we're mapping the entire thing so we're heading everything we're hitting every trap we're they're really big creature. maps too like yeah and they're yeah. huge yeah yeah and we, we've just come into a really cool big monster big fight like this one's going to be the test for sure Mm. could be a group wipe it has the potential to be a group wipe there's a, the big enough creatures in there i don't want to spoil anything for people that are play it but it's fun um don't try to read too much into it you know the logic of why something is there just realize it's the mad mage and it was crazy and it does some stuff and be ready for some humor some really funny things that are just don't make any sense and it, it feels very acting to me and so it was pretty fun i'm enjoying it i think we'll get down to our our level two next week probably and then we'll get to see what's down there and we've got 26 levels to go or 20 something yeah. plus levels um we're level six right now um which is really good next level seven i want to multi-class for the first time into cleric is which way i'm gonna go so okay i think that's gonna be fun i want to start up my campaign probably next month i've got one more busy month for work if I can get through this, I've got everything handled and I feel like I can get my, my nights back from not studying the software and get back because I'm really itching to get back to Revenar and kick it back up. And I'm going to structure it all around my dwarf who wants to create his own mine. And he's found two spots. One is a, um, a copper mine and one is a something else I gave him, like an ochre mine or something, like a different type of thing. And he has to decide which one he wants to do. And then I want to base the campaign on the things that happen to him while he tries to get this mine up and running. Mm -hmm. So I think that'll be fun. A different shift for what the Revenar campaign was before. So. And they call it a mine. Yes. A mine. There you go. <laughs> so what about Jordan? Because Jordan's supposed to have lots of games going on. He's in all these important online games now because he doesn't play in person anymore. Uh I'm not, no, none of them are important. Uh, well, Rod of Seven Parts <laughs> is very important. 
Uh, yeah, Rod of Seven Parts, lots of fun. We had a special guest. Her name was Sarah the Hype Very Goblin cool. on Twitter. Uh, the Hype Goblin on Twitter. Her real name is Sarah. Um, on and our I Discord was too. She oh yeah, yeah. And I was uh, t- uh, talking to her about playing um, a character, and she decided that she was going to play this like dwarf bard lady. Mm-hmm. And uh, our players don't know her backstory yet. But uh, she basically betrayed them. Uh, nice. But our friend, our party had to go down to the Undercity, underneath Baldur's Gate, to stop this abyss uh, opening from spewing out more demons. And there's just, like, demonic sludge everywhere and demons running around, lots of problems. Um, they uh, ultimately went to the portal and... Mm-hmm. Uh, Sarah's character was trying to charm the players to throw the rod fragments into the abyss to like lose them for a long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, she succeeded. And she, uh, uh, Lex's character Shifter, threw one of the rod fragments down in there. And then her charm wore off because uh, she hit or something. And so she was like, oh, or Lex was like, oh. And so he flew down into the abyss found it flew back out <laughs> like it was really crazy and the, or no sh- he flew in found it they did something that caused uh another violent eruption so uh the the th- it turns out that it was a creature that was there that was barfing up demons and so the oh, creature like spewed up a whole bunch more demons including the rod fragment uh it was one of the most intense fights that I wish it was on a grid because it would have been a lot of fun to be like, what's going on? Because we had a lot of like, where are people? And I hate mm-hmm. doing that. I hate pausing the excitement to tell people like that person is 20 feet away. Uh, so this is an instance where I really like having a gridded system. But we're doing theater of the mind because uh, the layout we have just doesn't really work. And so we wanted to keep it more um, theater of the mindish. A lot of fun, though. So that was really cool. Uh I had Sarah, Sarah's character getting away, but uh, Lex made a really good point that he kind of set up a trap for her that didn't go off because I forgot about it. So I think next session we're going to have, uh, I'm going to play Sarah's character and we'll have the, um, that that uh, talk. It'll be kind of fun. Like, why did you try to get us to destroy that? Uh, they ended up closing the portal, which was really fun, with some C4 that they got through a trinket. So they had some explosives. And that is now closed and shut. And we have to find more rod fragments and, and figure out why the demons are running around in the prime material plane. It's really crazy. There, there's a lesson to be learned there too, DMs. Nobody you want to get away will ever get away because the players are relentless and they will never let anything yeah. get away. And they will always come up with a plan not to let something get away. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Um, so that was really fun. Uh, if you're interested in Rod of Seven Parts, tomorrow... At 9 a.m. Pacific, I uh, stream the prep for that. And so you can help me prep uh, my Wednesday Rod of Seven Parts game. Uh, pretty much what I talk about here, we take all of the problems that I made for myself. And then in, a, in mm-hmm. and then on Sunday, I figure out the week's game. Uh, and, and it's a lot of fun. So that's on twitch.tv slash Jordan with a PH in the middle. You should join me there. Uh, the other game I am playing in is my Wild Mount game. Wild um, Mount. With and I don't know anything about Wildmount. I am Josh a, uh, Manu Manu, the wizard, who is uh, very greedy and fun. He's a tiefling. He's blue. I love it. Uh, he's He's been a lot of fun. We are looking for information on the Cerberus Assembly because they have the weapon of mass destruction, or we think they do. 
Never Cerberus heard. Assembly is kind of like a, a Zentarum or a Arc, like Brotherhood of of Mages kind of equivalent. Sounds uh, like Mass Effect to me. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I've Cerberus. never played Mass Effect. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Sounds like a three-headed uh, dog from hell, if you ask me. Yeah. Um, they uh, so we're looking for information on that. We got a, a magic sword stolen that like talked to our ranger, and we were kind of like Sweet. trying to figure out what's going on. Talking swords. Uh, yeah. So that sword got stolen. So we found out who stole that, or who was trying to peddle that that sword, and it was a gnome. And we thought maybe that gnome would also have information on the Cerberus assembly. So we went and talked to him. Things went south real fast, Imagine. and we started attacking him. He had a he summoned a magical robot from another plane, and we're like, "What?" And that robot started attacking us. Uh, we got rid of him. Um, I picked up a bag of marbles off of the guy. That turns out that these mar marbles are magically linked to the golem, this robot. So now I have a pet robot, and he wow. listens to me, and it's really exciting. Um, we're because also you have marbles. because I have marbles. The guy's like, I've lost my marbles. And I'm like, it was a lot of funny jokes like that. Uh, so I have this robot that follows me around. We also found out in the back, he had his, uh, he had the sword that he stole from us and he was, uh, pumping energy into it or siphoning it away. And it was over a magical, uh, a cauldron full of boiling mm -hmm. stuff. And we were like, what's happening? So, as I was trying to disable whatever magical contraption he was doing, uh, I accidentally knocked over the uh, cauldron and uh, uh, a large golden orb thing rolled out. Um, the sword disappeared into the vat and we think it was translated, transformed into that. We're not really sure. Uh, our ranger ran up and touched it. And I think the sword possessed her because it disappeared. And from her perspective, she's in like this weird darkened plane. But from our perspective, she like stumbly walked like she's never really known how to walk before and was mm -hmm. like walking over to things. And that's where we ended the session. So I'm really curious as to what is going to happen. Also, <laughs> we murdered a gnome. Granted, he was real bad. Right? And now and so now we're in a big city. He was There's just a murder. I don't he know what's happening. <laughs> I stole a robot. You can't hide a robot. What am I no. going to do? So I, I, we're up a creek without a paddle. I'm not really sure what's going to happen. <laughs> um, but I'm having so much fun. I never get to play in a longer game like this. I mm -hmm. am a character that I really love. Uh, we mm -hmm. just hit level nine. And now I could take my first fifth level spell, which Ooh. I am going to take uh, Conjure Elemental because I'm a summoning. I'm a conjurer. That's my specialty. And uh, I don't know if I told the chat this or if I told this, the, the podcast, but a, a, a while ago we found a magical ring and it's a air elemental uh, ring of air elemental control. Hmm. And it's, I, there's not a lot of magic items like this, but this one, if it has some magical properties, like mm -hmm. I can't fall. Like if I, if I fall off a building, I just gently, like I constantly have uh, levitate on me or something. Feather fall, yeah. Um, but there are, uh, you can cast dominate on, uh, dominate monster, but only on air elementals. And if you kill an air elemental or you help your party take down an air elemental, the ring flashes with new powers. So now that I can summon an air elemental, once I lose control of it, we have to kill it. And once we kill it, my ring like levels up and now I'll be able to just innately fly. 
I can cast mm-hmm. an eighth level spell out of it, uh, chain lightning. I can do a lot of cool mm-hmm. stuff. And so even though I'm level nine, I'm going to be able to do some really powerful things with this uh, ring. And I'm super stoked to do that. So uh, thank you, Dungeon Master, for giving out cool magical items. Uh, that was another yeah. thing. I don't know how about how you feel about magical items. It can kind of be a bane problem for Dungeon Masters where you you give them something so powerful that it just like, ah, okay, now you got a flying carpet. Now you can go anywhere. Yeah, magic blah, blah, blah. carpet, there you go. But <laughs> I love magic items and I decided in Rod of Seven Parts that I was going to just hand out a lot of cool magic items. And Ted came to me a couple days ago. Hello. Ted came to me a couple mm-hmm. days ago and, and and just said, like, you know, like, this is fun. Like, you don't see a lot of these magic items in play ever. And I like that we have these random, really cool. Like, I gave him a ring of genie summoning and stuff. And so they have a lot yeah. of fun stuff. It's kind of cool. Yeah. I think that's the knock on 5e for me is they balanced it so well with abilities and characters and subclasses and spells and everything that they forced magic items to be always powerful when you got them. Um, And that's a shame. So that not as many dungeon masters throw them in their game because it kind of throws things off. Like our gave our Druid a staff of insect summoning or something that has three Mm -hmm. different things it can do. And all of a sudden there's insects all over and tokens all over the map and he's doing swarms and clouds and it's changed (laughs) all the fights. And it's just like everything just, you know, just goes crazy at that point. But I want to give that stuff out. I want to give out cool magic items and I don't want them to overbalance the game. I wish that there was a way that they had balanced magic items in so that we were willing to give them out more. So that's the only knock I have on 5e. So maybe 6e. They go the other way and they make magic items really cool, really special. And we start using them a ton more than we do in 5e. Yeah, it's, yeah, I don't know. I like magic items. And and it's like the rod of seven parts is in itself a very powerful magic item. (laughs) And that has also been fun because Lex has been using uh, magic to conceal the rod fragments. But he's saying like, oh, uh, you know, like I have to spend four or five spell slots to keep this thing hidden. But at the same time, I get all these really cool abilities just from the rod itself. So Uh, Mr. Dungeon Coach came, popped into chat over here on YouTube. Welcome, sir. Thank you for uh, joining us this morning. Uh, That is our show. We're gonna we're gonna take off. Lucian has to eat. We're done. He's hungry. One hour. He's a hungry boy. No, Jordan always likes to end on time. He is very uh, punctual. And we're two minutes over, and it's just it's driving me insane right now. Uh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, that's our show. Thank you so that's much for show. watching. Thank you for liking and subscribing. Thank you for rating this on iTunes so that we can get a wider mm. audience. We really love having you. Uh, be sure to check out Lucian's Twitch channel. He's doing you 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 are streaming Dungeon of the Mad Mage on yours or Danimals. 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 But you rehost it. So people go to your Australian. Yeah. yeah. Our Australian Dungeon Prep. Be sure to do that. Follow me on Twitter uh, or Twitch for Dungeon Prep videos tomorrow. And lately I've been doing some map making stuff, which has been kind of fun just when I have free time, which is never, but when I do. Uh, Maybe I'll do some map making tomorrow afternoon. Hmm. Uh, I have, I'm very excited for the videos that I'm going to create. And Following this, I've got a camera set up and I'm going to go record some videos. So I hope you guys are excited for the YouTube channel. Um, Take care, wear a mask, be happy. uh, And we will see you all in next week with another great episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show. Goodbye. Our intro and outro music is 8-Bit March by Twin Musicom, licensed under Creative Commons. Check out their website at www.twinmusicom.org.